Ford, Texas, your truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your own authority, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We're going to get to those questions in just a little bit. I have a couple things, then we'll get right to the calls. These uh, hour shows go by pretty quick. But it's we are now in the fourth quarter, and this is a really good time of year to start thinking about a couple things. One, if you don't have your accounting up to date, your accounting should be current to the most recent month you know, within the first week or so, it's not that hard. We're we're starting into October. You should have your accounting data current up till the end of September here within the next week or two. And that's the way it should be every month. But if you don't, now is the time to get it done. Get your accounting caught up. There's going to be a lot of decisions to be made about business. There's a lot of things going on right now. We have major tax law changes being proposed. It's hard to understand how those tax laws will affect you if you don't even know your own numbers. There are going to be new tax laws put into effect that are going to affect your business, how you purchase things, how you deduct things, pretty major stuff. But even if we set that aside, this is how you should run your business every month. You should know what your numbers are. We do accounting for a lot of people here, and we also have our software that allows people to do their own accounting. But if you're three or four or five months or more behind, the accounting data isn't very valuable. The whole point is to have numbers to be able to run your business better, make better decisions, find ways to make more money, put more profit to the bottom line. That's the whole point. You have to have those numbers current. It's also a really good time, sometime in the fourth quarter, to start thinking about business planning for next year. Start setting some goals. Start thinking about, with everything changing in the industry, we are clearly in a major disruption in the industry. We have the technology disruption on both the freight side with trucks and technology and on the supply side the broker side with technology changing um, the broker business as well all of those things affect us on top of all that we are currently in one of the fastest explosions of rates and freight that I've seen in a very, very long time. There are a lot of reasons for it. We're heading into the fourth quarter. We have the holiday season. Lots and lots of natural disasters um, happening right now. There's going to be a long time of rebuilding in those areas. And that creates a lot of freight. Even if that type of freight doesn't affect you directly, 
any time one segment uh, gets that busy, it affects everything in the trucking industry. No different than when the oil fields were booming. People would move into that segment because there was money to be made. It leaves lots of opportunity in the other segments. We have the ELD mandate coming, which should really tighten up capacity. We have people who are quitting the industry because of it. Uh, And even if nobody quits, it still tightens up capacity because, well, if it didn't tighten up capacity, I'm not sure what all the complaining is about. But we know that the same number of trucks we have on the road today, the day after the ELD mandate goes in, they will not be delivering freight at the same rate they used to. We know that. That means you need more capacity to meet the demand of supply. It, that's All of those things are really good for business if you're paying attention and if you understand what's happening and you put yourself in that position. Now, there's no hurry. It's not like you have to run out tomorrow and do something different, but this is a great time to start planning for where you're going with your business. Right now... I don't. I would not want to be locked into a mileage contract unless I was just absolutely happy with what I was doing and how much money I was making and all those things. If you're happy, then fine. Don't change. But if you're looking for the opportunities going forward, rates are rising. I can't see anything right now that's going to change that. It's always hard to predict too far into the future. But I think, based on all the evidence I'm looking at, based on the analysts that I read and follow, I think 2018 could be a really awesome year for freight. It wouldn't matter if you're in a mileage contract. It's not going to make much difference. There's going to be plenty of work, but you're not going to be able to take advantage of the upside to the rates. If the economy heats up, then... Fuel prices tend to go up with that, again, because of demand. That changes the rate structure and creates another opportunity for profit. All of these things are things you should be looking at. You should be looking at your own numbers, and you should be doing some formal business planning for next year. When I say formal, I I don't mean a true business plan. I just mean get it in writing. Formal is probably the wrong word. It can be as informal as you want. I don't care if you write it on a napkin with a crayon. But start to get some ideas in writing. Start to figure out where you want to go, what you want to do with your business, and how you're going to take advantage of the opportunities that are here right now, and they're still coming. So again, don't rush out, make any big changes, but be thinking about fourth quarter. Do you need to be incorporating? Because you want to do that in the first quarter of next year. You're limited to, to when you can do that. It will be really nice if we get those tax law changes solidified and actually put into law before the end of the year. That will allow us to make those kind of changes pretty quickly at the beginning of next year. So we don't, there's still a lot of unknowns. But everything's really looking up for business and trucking right now. The tax structure, what I've seen so far in the framework, we don't have any details. There's nothing in law. There's nothing to even vote on yet. 
We just have a framework. But that framework looks really, really beneficial and profitable for small businesses and and owner-operators in particular. I see some really good things in there. Uh, But that could mean to take advantage of all of them, you might want to be an S-Corp. Don't run out and uh, do that yet. But those are things we should be looking at, and this is a great time to be looking at those things. Let's get to uh, some phone calls. Let's head off to Minnesota. Derek, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. What's on your mind today? Well, I um, I used your formula yesterday. I'm considering changing my gear ratios to run in direct drive. And um, so I used your formula on letstruck.com to see uh, like what RPM range and stuff I want to be at. And I come out with a number of about 2.73. Okay. Um, and I have eight eaten rear end, so I either need to go with 264s or 285s. I was just going to see which one you thought I should go with. Uh, Which engine and what year? It's a 99, uh, and it's an N14 Cummins. N14, and how fast do you like to drive most of the time? Uh, About 60 to 62 and I like to drive. Uh, what's your average weight? Gross. Oh, it varies all the time. Seventy-five thousand, fifty thousand. I mean, it's pretty all over. Pretty all over. Okay. Um, what part of the country do you spend most of your time in? Uh, I would say Midwest, mostly. I would probably go with the two sixty-fours. I I think the the higher gear ratio, yeah, I think the higher gear ratio actually makes more sense. You're right smack in the middle of the two. I mean, so but yeah. I think I think the 264 actually makes a little more sense because we can always we can always downshift if we need to. It, and that changes our gearing, but we can't go any higher than what our final already is. So I I think the 264 would work really well for you. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We're going to get to a break. We'll be right back. We're going to get to your calls and questions right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothenberg.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're going to get back to the calls. Let's go to Alabama. Edward, welcome to the program. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind today? Yes, sir. Um, I have an interest in intermodal, and I'm trying to figure out how can I uh, uh, find brokers that specialize in this freight or load boards that have uh, specialized in this freight? Because I know that and some of the other load boards, they only have band, reefer, and flatbed, very little intermodal freight. So I was wondering, how do I find that stuff? So are you currently doing intermodal, or are you interested in getting into it? Well, I've, I'm leased on doing it right now for the past two years. Okay. And I'm planning on getting my own authority and kind of moving to that niche, because I do like it. So what part of the country do you live in? Um, Mobile, Alabama, Gulfport, New Orleans area. Okay. So... You know, I did intermodal a long, long time ago up in the uh, Cleveland area for just a couple months. I I worked with uh, some of the big intermodal carriers um, years back. I did some seminars all around the country for them. This is a really good question. I'm not sure that there's a lot of intermodal freight that isn't locked up by those carriers. Like, which carrier are you leased to now? Right. Um. In a motor cottage. Okay. This is a really good question. Maybe we can get some feedback on this from some other people. I don't know if the intermodal market has changed much, but I don't know that there's a lot of opportunity there having your own authority or not. Um, I wish I had a better answer for you, but that's a, a segment that I haven't kept up on. I, I When I was involved in it, it's not something I would have tried to do with my own authority. You know yourself being in it, it's mostly short haul, and the rates are kind right. of lousy. Um, you know, there, there's not a lot of money in intermodal, and one of the reasons is because it's local, it's really easy to find trucks and drivers because you, you've got so many over-the-road right, drivers right. who want to be home. And they'll go take those jobs just right. so they can be home. The guys that I worked, and I, I worked, I probably did, I think I did almost 17 seminars around the country for one of the big intermodal carriers. And I, we did a bunch of their accounting, and I looked at their numbers. That's a tough business to make much money in. Um, and I, I, I think it's a pretty tough business to break into as a true independent. But maybe there are some opportunities out there. We'll throw it out. Maybe somebody in the audience can help us with that one. Okay, no problem. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I'll leave in, uh, I know it's always hard to get through on the show with stuff like that, but if, if, if you have some ideas, if you know where there is some intermodal freight that is you know, possible to kind of break into that as an independent, um, you can always send me um, an email to support at letstruck.com and We'll pass that along for Edward. But that's, uh, that's one of those questions I really just don't have a good answer to right now. I, you know, one of the things I love about the show, when I get a question I can't answer, it goes on my list of things to research. So I will go do some digging and see what I find on that one. Let's go to Kentucky. James, welcome to the program. 
Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Doing good. What's on your mind today? Well, I'm looking at buying a 2018 uh, 579. Um, Pack car, MX-13 motor, Eaton 10-speed automatic or auto shift, and uh, 264 for the gear ratio. And I've thrown it out there on the forums, and I'm getting mixed reviews. I've talked to some other guys who are running the trucks right now, and I'm getting mixed reviews. So I just kind of wanted to get your input on it. Uh, the only question, I actually like the specs a lot. I mean, it kind of meets everything I usually look for. It's aerodynamic. It's a 13-liter, which I tend to like. 264s are great. Why a 10-speed? Um, that's I'm a lease purchase operator, and that's what they built them with. I would very much prefer a 13. So, so let, 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 let's go back. Let, uh, one of the things I like to do, obviously I like to answer people's questions, but sometimes I think they're asking the wrong questions. I, I, my real goal on the show is to help people be more successful. Um, what's the cost of this truck? 134 what are you going to end up paying for it by the time you own it? Seven uh, percent is the interest rate. Uh, oh, wait, wait, the and- wait, hold on. Typically, on a lease purchase, there's not a stated interest rate. Is is this a tr- is this a true purchase or a lease purchase? So it's it's categorized as a lease purchase through the company I'm signed on to or signed up with, however you want to phrase it. Um, but it's, the way it's worked out, it's, um, so like what I'm in right now is a 2016 587, uh, same basic setup, except it's got an ISX. And um, it's $100,000 at um, 7.3. Okay. And uh, I just make my payments based on that. When it's paid off, it's mine clean and clear. So... Currently, right now, the truck you're in does not have your name on the title. Correct. That, so that makes it a true lease. Um, what's wrong with the truck you have? I, I can't break seven miles per gallon. They're, they're putting, so, uh, per my request, they're ordering the Aerodyne packages and flow below and air tabs on these new ones. So... You realize how much money you're going to lose. I mean, here's the thing. Everything, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I've done this enough times to know. You've already taken the biggest hit on this truck. All that money you put into it is basically lost. You can't, you're never going to make that up in fuel economy. All right, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I've looked, I don't know, again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I've looked at these programs with escrow accounts, and there's so many ways you're going to lose money, and you're going to owe more again. I mean, we could get 11 miles to the gallon out of the new truck. You're, you're not going to make up what you're going to lose by getting out of a basically a brand new truck with all the money you've put into it. Let, let me talk well, about w- one more thing right now. Truck brand new. Well, but it is a new truck. I mean, it's not like we're trying to replace a truck because it's got a million miles on it. We don't want to rebuild it. I mean, I would figure out why the 2016 isn't getting better fuel economy, and I would work on fuel economy. I, I, I have almost never found a truck I can't improve by a mile to a mile and a half or even two miles to the gallon. 
I mean, I've taken classics with some of the worst specs around and improved them three and a half miles to the gallon. So I, I, it's much better to invest in what you already have, except there's a much bigger problem, and this is why I'm just not a big fan of lease purchase. One, I, I'm always afraid to invest money into something that's not mine. You don't own this, and, and you have no legal ownership rights. You do realize that, that you could end up paying $100,000 towards any of these trucks, and they can cancel your lease at any time. Right, I knew that coming into it. That's way too much risk. Wait, why not save some money and go buy a good twenty five, thirty, forty thousand dollar truck and just own it? Uh, my credit's not where I want it to be in order to get that kind of a loan. So what are what are your numbers like right now? Do you have an accounting system? Um I do. It's kind of just done by me on an Excel sheet. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I, again, I don't care if somebody does it with a crayon on a napkin if they're doing it if they're doing the right calculations and they know the right numbers. I don't care how they get them. What what's your gross revenue per mile on all miles? Not what your contract says, but on all actual miles you're running, um, what are you making per mile gross right now? Uh, works out to be about a dollar thirty. Okay, that's pretty typical for these plans. What What's left over after you pay everything? What are you really taking home per mile? About 54. It's not bad. I mean, it's, it's not horrible. It's a little better than you're going to do in most driving jobs. And you've got the numbers. Um, you know, basically in most driving jobs, you're going to make 40 to 45 cents. What I would be doing if I were you is I would... Before you took this job, how much were you making per mile as a company driver? Uh, before I did this, I was flatbed. I was making about 48. But yeah. it was, you know, 1,000 miles a week, 1,500 miles a week. Yeah. The, the problem here is you're not making enough more over what you used to make to really save anything. Let me... Um, Let me get to a break. We'll come back. I want to talk to you a little bit more about this. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothenberg.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website, letstruck.com. I'm going to go back to James. So, James, your, your numbers are kind of right there on the border. I, are you able to save any money with what you're doing right now? Uh, yeah, I'm putting a little bit away as it goes, but it's, it's slow and steady. Yeah, he, and, and here's why I say that, because this is critically important, because I've seen this happen so many times. And let's just start off with my advice to you would be forget the 2018. Work with the truck you've already got. You've already invested into it. Moving out of this truck into another truck is going to be so expensive. It's going to be hard to ever make that up again. It's kind of a step in the wrong direction right now. Your goal, I would assume, is to own a truck, right? Yeah, that's the ultimate goal. Perfect. And that's so we want to we want to make decisions that move us closer and closer to that goal. One of the problems with the lease purchase is too much of this is out of your control. So what you want to be doing is you want to have a plan that moves you closer to owning your truck. And, and I'll tell you, how long is this lease, the one you're in right now? How, how much longer do you have before you would own the truck? Uh, about three and a half years. Okay. So that's a lot of time and a lot of things can go wrong. I've seen companies bought out. I've seen companies go out of business. I've seen companies go bankrupt. I've seen companies change management and change all their programs. All of those things are out of your control, but all of those things could end the program at any minute and you walk away with basically nothing. That's my fear in this. So what I would encourage you to do is stick in the truck you're in because moving out of it gets you even further away from the goal, not closer to it. I would be saving every penny I could possibly scrape up. And as soon as I could buy a truck, and I don't care, honestly, if it's a $10,000 truck, I would just go buy a $10,000 truck with cash and be, become a, an owner-operator. Because there's, there's not much risk in that. Nobody can take it away from you. Right now, I, I have literally seen people finish their lease, complete every single payment, wait months to get their title so that it truly is their truck, and then the I've had this happen more than once, many times. Something changes in the company. The reason they didn't get their title is because even though they paid every payment they were supposed to, the company still had liens against that equipment. They couldn't get the title. They don't tell you that. And then the company actually went bankrupt. The people got nothing. Zero. They're just in, uh, in line with a bunch of other creditors and nobody gets anything. There's so much risk in these things. And I hate to see people like you who are doing the hard work. You know your numbers. You, you've got a goal. You're working towards it. But there's so much out of your control right now. So I, I would really encourage you to set a goal to save money, figure out what that price is. If you don't want a $10,000 truck and it's twenty five, figure out how you get there. You know, work on your credit. And I know that takes time, but try to get, you know, some of those numbers up and just try to save as much cash as you can. And I, honestly, the goal would not be to own this truck you're in. The goal would be to use this to just save as much money as you can and go buy a truck as soon as you possibly could. All right, so just so I'm on the same page, you're saying just use this as like a stepping stone, stay in my 2016, and then first chance I get to go to like a dealership and get something 
grab it that way. Absolutely. In, in fact, I would even be talking to dealers ahead of time. And because the, the people that, you know, or you can always look around for individuals. You know, sometimes you'll find it, it's hard for an individual to sell a truck on the open market because of uh, loans and, and some other things. But many times you can find a, a guy who's retiring. He's got a truck that's worth ten or 15000 and he'll work out a deal with you. So keep your eyes open for things like that. Look around. If we're looking for things, we tend to find them. Um, talk to dealers. And say, hey, look, if you've got a $35,000 truck on your lot, how much would I need down and what would my credit score have to be? That way you've got another goal to start shooting for. Nothing wrong with looking right now. Okay. But as far as the truck, stay in the, stay in the 2016. Move into any other truck right now is just going to put you farther behind. Let's... Uh, Let's go to Georgia. Jamil, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? You kind of just answered my question with the last guy, but um, I was, I just saved me a okay sum of money, and um, I was in the housing decision on getting a pre-mission truck, but I was wondering how did you feel about the DPF being added on it because I actually wanted to run, like, I wanted to run 48 states, and I've been hearing a lot of this talk about, um, you know, a lot of states going to the emission laws. No, wait, wait. Stop there there just a second. Okay. There's only one state in the country with an emission law. That's California. It's the only one. That's California. It's the only one. Okay. Okay. and, And beyond that, there is not a single state that has anything on the books that they're even voting on. Nothing is even in anybody's radar right now as far as other states. So though, when you hear those things, that, that's truck driver talk. That, that is not happening. Okay, and, and, and here's the thing. Think about this. It took California over 10 years to put those regulations into place. We knew about CARB a long, long time ago. And it took them all that time to put it into place. Once they put it into place, they're being sued because their, their laws are actually unconstitutional. Nobody is even proposing this anywhere that it, that's anywhere near becoming a law. And at this point, why would a state bother going through that? I mean, most of the trucks on the road today are already becoming emission compliant anyway. For the other states, just wait. So don't listen to that stuff. The only state you have to be concerned with is if you want to be compliant to go to California or not. There's another problem, though. Oh, I don't care about California. Oh, well, good. Uh Then Yeah, but then I don't even have to talk about the other problem. I was going to say California's regulations... Pretty soon, the DPF isn't going to be enough. Two or three years ago, getting the DPF made sense. Now, I'm not sure it it does. It's too expensive, and it's only going to last a couple more years anyway, and then you're going to need another upgrade, which you can't do. So if you don't care about California, that's fantastic. You can own a 1959 Brockway if you want to for all the other states. Okay. (laughs) Okay. The main state I was really worried about was um, was was Washington because I plan on moving out there and I wanted to run, you know, I, I live in Georgia and I wanted to run, you know, east to west. That's all I want to do. If I could just run east coast, west coast. And uh, you, you can't been reading all the junk online about the, 
Now, Washington, I'm in Oregon. I'm in Oregon looking at Washington as we speak, right out my window. I'm right on the river so I can see Washington. Are you familiar with the Bridge of the Gods? I can see it from my house. Okay, okay. That, see, I haven't been out there since 2007, and I deliver, like, right across that bridge, and in, I want to move somewhere in that area. Oh, like Stevenson, Bonneville, that kind of stuff. Okay, right, right, yep. correct. Okay, okay, so. Yeah, yeah that no, was my question to answer, because I was debating on that uh, a new uh, new truck, cause I know you've been leaning a little bit more towards the emission trucks. I, you know, I've been hearing you say that they are better yeah. now, and I was yeah. wondering... They are, but I could still be very, very happy driving around in you know one of my ninety nines, you know, making a lot of money. They're 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 still great okay. trucks. We can rebuild them over and over and over if we want. They're very risk free, mostly trouble free. We know how to fix everything on them. So yeah, I, I'm, you know, I like the new trucks. I love all the new technology. So that's kind of exciting. We can look at new trucks again. But I'm still a huge fan of old pre emission trucks. Okay, okay, great. That's what I go with. I'm looking at a 99 Volvo right now as we speak. I'm looking at a 99 Volvo. Got one $6,500 for it. And, uh, that's what I was looking at going. <laughs> it, hard, hard to beat. So congratulations. Great job. You'll love Washington, by the way. I love it out here. Um, that's the kind of truck uh, that James should be looking for as well. $6,500, hard to go wrong. I, I've helped a lot of people become very successful starting out with trucks like that. Let's go to Virginia. Tony, welcome. Oh, you know what, Tony? Hold on one second. I just looked at the clock, and I realize we're coming up on a break. So I'll take us into the break when I come back. I'm going to get to more of your calls and questions right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, real quick, we're heading into the uh, final segment. I think I could squeeze in one more question, maybe two. Oh, let me check. Bridget's sending me a message. Okay, thanks, Bridget. I'm just going to get started then. Here we go.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. We are off to Virginia. JC, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Doing good. What can I help you with today? So I'm actually, excuse me, I'm actually um, a company driver right now, and we're getting ready to purchase our own, uh, purchase my own truck. However, I'm actually pulling money um, that I've had put away um, in basically in the stock market to make that purchase. So the question I have is, one, when would be the best time to pull that? Can I pull that in 17 or, or in 18 to make that purchase from a tax standpoint, which is more yeah. Great, great question. I'm glad you're asking this because the timing on this can make a huge difference. We do have a con- kind of a factor that's still an unknown right now. I opened my show talking about all the uh, tax law changes that are coming. One of those big, big changes is uh, President Trump is is asking to really lower the capital gains rates for individuals. And, and that could, will make a huge difference because that's what you're going to pay when you cash out these stocks. Now, these stocks aren't in a retirement account, are they? No, they're not. Okay. So we don't have any penalties to worry about on the retirement side. We just have capital gains to deal with. Now, well, let's talk about this. Maybe we don't. How, how much did you invest into the stocks originally, and how much are they going to sell for now, roughly? A thousand dollars. You you put a thousand in originally. Yes, sir. And how much are you going to be able to sell them for now? Twenty six thousand. Wow. Yeah. So you have huge capital gains. It, it's up twenty uh, twenty five thousand of that is capital gain. Um, so the new tax yeah. law could really really benefit you. It's going to leave a lot of extra cash to put into the truck rather than send to the government. So that's one factor that I would Correct. I would really encourage you to wait till we which means really you're going to have to wait till 2018 because even if they told us the tax law changed next week, I have a feeling they'll date it for January 1st. Maybe not. Um but, but we're not going to get anything on this real soon. Um nothing much is is getting done in Washington right now. Um, so there, there, but there's another good reason to wait till 2018, no matter what. And, and here's what that is. If you do it in 2017, then the tax on that capital gain is due in, in just months on April 15th. But if you wait till, so let, let's use the extreme here. If you were to sell the stocks on December 31st, it's due in, you know, three and a half months. But if you wait one day till January 1st, it's not due for 15 and a half months. So it, it, it doesn't change how much you would owe. It just changed when you owe it. You get to keep that money in your pocket to work with in the business for the startup. And your first year in business is always the, the riskiest. It's when you could use as much cash as possible. So I, I would encourage you, even without the tax law changes, to take the rest of the year to really work on your plan. Um, are, are you planning on leasing to a carrier? Uh, I'm Landstar. 
Okay. So you could use this this last three months um, to to build some relationships with agents. Really look at, you know, a business plan that you want. Maybe find some lanes you really like to work in. I I would take the three months and really focus on working on the business. And even if you didn't want to wait, if let's say the tax law change isn't going to happen or it falls through, I would still say the soonest I would buy that truck would or, or cash out those stocks would be January 1st. Okay, that's what our, that's what our thinking was. Good. Um, and then Good. the the other part is um, I'm a I'm a company driver right now, and then we're going. I'm running with a team through Christmas. So basically, once we're done with the Christmas rush, is when I was going to be making the transition. So there's nothing I have to do between now and the end of the year. Okay. But finish up. My yeah. Work over here. Now, a couple of questions. From a owner-operator side, from your standpoint, what is the challenge with running teams, not husband and wife teams? You know, like, two. so if I if I had to get my own truck, what are some of the challenges am I going to look at if I was running with another individual? Got it. Great question. As, as my own owner. Great question. I obviously the. the the lifestyle stuff. Some people just don't do well on teams, but you already know that. So you, you, you know, that's a personal decision. Really, doesn't have much to do with the business. On the number side, um, technically, to do it correctly, you should pay them as a true employee, meaning you withhold taxes, you pay workers' comp, all of that stuff. That's expensive. The reason in this industry we we like to treat these drivers as an independent contractor is because it saves us a ton of money, but it's wrong. Um, I, I've been you know dealing with that issue for thirty years, um, so that that's a tough decision. When I had drivers, I paid them as employees. I withheld the taxes. I, they had all the benefits. That's expensive. You have to make sure you're profitable enough to be able to do that. I would not recommend paying people as independent contractors. It's just a bad deal for everybody. And again, it's not even legal. Beyond that, the other mistake I see people make, whether it's buying two trucks or putting on a team driver, is their, their business and their lifestyle tends to absorb that extra money, the extra profit. Because obviously, if you put another driver on this truck, there should be more profit. Otherwise, you'd be crazy to ever do that. What you have to be careful of is don't let that extra profit get sucked up into the business and your lifestyle because when somebody quits, things get ugly. I mean, it's not always easy to find another driver. So I always tell people, look, live and run your business as though that other driver doesn't even exist. Have a good accounting system. Take all of the profit that you can attribute to that second driver and save it. Don't ever spend it. Just save it. You know, at some point, maybe you decide to buy another truck. But, but just be careful. Don't let that extra money just get sucked up and spent and you don't even know where it's going. Because when the driver quits, things can just get ugly. And drivers will quit. Right, right, right. The, 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 actual, the actual goal, my actual goal is to actually have a fleet of four to five trucks, all team trucks. 
Um, and I actually want to send you that business plan that I have written up as to how I want to approach that, um, have a couple of existing customers. But what I'm trying to figure out, which is what you just talked about, is how do I keep two, how do I keep teams running as an owner operator? Oh, it's hard. When we have these. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you why it's hard. It's not uh, so. During my time in the business, I had team operations. I got rid of all mine. And it wasn't because they weren't profitable. They were extremely profitable. I mean, that's the way to make money with the truck. You keep the truck running as much as you can. For me, the reason I got rid of all of my teams and went to all single was because I had other businesses at the time, and I did not have time to babysit teams. The teams for me were just an absolute nightmare. People don't get along. They quit. I would try to, I I, I was a big fan of hiring husband and wife teams, which, you know, you you don't tend to have the problems of, you know, I don't care if they get along or not. I mean, they're married. They're probably going to stay together most of the time. The problem with the husband and wife team is when they quit, they quit together. Now you've got to start all over again. So for me, the biggest problem was, was just babysitting teams and trying to keep people happy and not killing each other and not fighting about who smokes and you know i want to sleep at this time and then they quit and you got to find somebody else and the the driver who stays doesn't like the new driver you hired and they were just way too much work for me now i I, I'll, i'll send you i'll i I was going to say, I think the timing is excellent because the ELD mandate is going to make teams far more valuable. So I I think it's a great business plan if you are willing to do that work. And and look, if that was my only business, if I would at, at one point I had to decide I had three trucks at FedEx. I had to decide, do I want 30 trucks here? Some of my friends have that now. Or do I want to go pursue my other business? And I decided three trucks is enough. I'm making money. I don't want to deal with teams and drivers right now. But had I stayed, and that was my only business, I would have had all teams because there is more money in it. So, you know, I, I, I like your plan. You just got to know. Um, there, you'll spend a lot of time dealing with drivers, much more so with teams. But um, good plan. Go ahead and send it over to me. I'll take a look at it. You can call back. We can talk about it. But I am completely out of time. I got to get out of here. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.